0: section twenty one of early rome by wilhelm ina this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela Nagami. chapter sixteen the wars with the volscians and icians the history of the wars with the volscians and icians as narrated by livy is destitute of all historical value it is a succession of battles sieges triumphs and reverses which are evidently the product of the imagination with a very slight infusion of trustworthy tradition exaggeration vainglory and repetition reckless invention and contradiction are discoverable on every page it would be in the highest degree unprofitable to examine these accounts in detail and to burden the memory with facts dates and names so unreal we shall content ourselves with justifying this opinion, by reviewing shortly the celebrated stories of Coriolanus and Cincinnatus, as characteristic both of the wars to which they refer and of the historians who relate them. In the year after the secession of the plebs, 492 BC, there was a famine in Rome, for during the civil contention the plebeians had not cultivated their own lands, and they had laid waste the fields of their adversaries. There was, therefore, great distress among the poor plebeians and they would have fallen victims to hunger if the consuls had not bought corn in etruria and distributed it to the starving people but even this was not sufficient and the people suffered great want till corn arrived from sicily which dionysius the tyrant of syracuse sent as a present to the romans there was at that time in rome a brave patrician whose name was gaius he had conquered the town of corioli in the preceding year when the romans were carrying on war with the volscians and for this reason his fellow-soldiers had given him the surname coriolanus this man set himself stoutly against the plebeians for he hated them because they had won the tribuneship from the senate he therefore advised the consuls not to divide the corn among the plebeians unless they surrendered their newly acquired right and abolished the office of the tribunes when the plebeians heard this they were enraged and would have killed him had not the tribunes protected him from the fury of the crowd and accused him before the assembly of the people of having broken the peace and violated the sacred laws but coriolanus mocked the people in the tribunes showing haughty defiance and presumptuous pride and as he did not appear before the people assembled to try him he was banished vowing that he would be revenged on his enemies he went to antium Where he lived as the guest of adius tullius the chief of the volscians after this the two men consulted together how they might persuade the volscians to make war on the romans it happened that at this time the great games were celebrated in rome in honour of jupiter and a great number of volscians came to rome to see the games then adius tullius went secretly to the consuls and advised them to take care that his countrymen did not break the peace during the festive season when the consuls heard this they sent heralds through the town and caused it to be proclaimed that all the volscians should leave the town before night the volscians exasperated at this outrage to their nation proceeded in a body to return home by the latin road this road led past the spring of ferentina where at one time the latins used to hold their councils Hierodius was waiting for his countrymen and excited them against rome saying that they had been shut out unjustly from sharing in the sacred festivities, as if they had been guilty of sacrilege or were not worthy to be treated as allies and friends by the Roman people. Thus a new war with Rome was decided on, and Adius Tullius and Gaius Martius Coriolanus set out with a large army and conquered in one campaign many of the most important towns of Latium after this the volscians advanced to rome and encamping near the fossa cluilia five miles from the town they laid waste the lands of the plebeians round about then the romans were seized with despair and were afraid to advance against the volscians or fight them in the field but looking for deliverance only from the mercy of their conquerors they sent the principal senators as ambassadors to coriolanus to sue for peace but coriolanus answered that unless the romans restored to the volscians all the conquered towns peace would not be granted when the same ambassadors came a second time to ask for more favourable conditions coriolanus would not even see them thereupon the chief priests came to his tent in their sacred robes and with the insignia of their office and tried to calm his anger but they strove in vain at last the noblest Roman matrons came to Veturia, the mother of Coriolanus, and to Volumnia, his wife, and persuaded them to accompany them into the enemy's camp, and with their prayers and tears to soften the conqueror's heart and to save the town, which the men could not protect with their arms. Now when the procession of Roman matrons approached the Volscian camp, and Coriolanus recognized his mother, his wife, and his little children, he was deeply moved and listened to the entreaties of the matrons and granted their requests, saying, O oh, my mother, Rome thou hast saved, but thou hast lost thy son. And forthwith he led the army of the Volscians away from Rome and gave back all the conquered towns, but he never returned to Rome because he had been banished by the people, and he closed his life in exile among the Volscians. The whole of this pretty story, when examined by the light of historical criticism, vanishes into air. Neither the hero's name, nor his banishment, nor his rapid conquests, nor the intercession of the Roman matrons belong to history. We know for certain that Scipio Africanus, more than four hundred years later, was the first Roman who received a surname to commemorate a conquest. Hence Gaius Martius could not have been called Coriolanus from the capture of Corioli. Besides, Corioli could hardly have been taken by the Romans from the Volscians in 492, as in 493 it is enumerated among the Latin cities which concluded a league with Rome. The Volscians, the constant enemies of the Republic, could not be present at the Roman games, nor could they assemble at the grove of Ferentina, which was a trysting place of the Latins coriolanus could not be banished by the roman plebeians on the accusation of the tribunes for the tribunes who had just been elected had as yet only the right of protecting plebeians from unjust treatment not the power of prosecuting patricians before an assembly of the plebs the rapid conquests of the volscians under the command of coriolanus are nothing short of miraculous The capture of twelve towns in one summer campaign is a success which suits fiction but is unequalled in the history of early rome yet after such conquests coriolanus insists upon the romans giving up these towns as if he could not hold what he had taken and when he is induced by private and personal motives to make peace he is so reckless of the interests of his volscian friends who after all were the real conquerors that he generously restores his conquests to the Romans. These Romans, at other times so ready to come forward and fight their enemies, shrink like cowards behind their walls and send messages to entreat the mercy of the conqueror, without, however, offering the slightest concessions. They hit upon a novel scheme. They send priests to propitiate the anger of their exasperated fellow-citizen, a thing which they never did before or after— and which their whole system of public and sacred law forbade more than that an embassy of matrons comes out to the hostile camp we almost fancy we see again the sabine matrons who rushed between the angry combatants to establish peace in the time of romulus such a scene is effective and proper in fiction but impossible in the history of rome neither matrons nor priests could be employed on political embassies The writer who invented such a story must have been ignorant of Roman institutions. What circumstances gave rise to the story of Coriolanus it is impossible for us to say. It may be a mere fiction designed to glorify the Roman matrons. At any rate, it was not calculated to throw light on the history of the Volscian Wars. These wars continued, apparently without interruption, during the whole period we have under review the Volscians obtained a settlement in southern Latium, where their most important town was the seaport Antium. but after the Decemvirate, 450 B.C., their power visibly decreased. The Romans and Latins recovered some of the lost ground and finally extended their league over the whole district from the Tiber to the confines of Campania. Peace was concluded with the Icaeans in the year 459 B.C., and the romans expected no hostilities on that side but soon after this the faithless Achaeans suddenly invaded the country of tusculum and their commander gracchus cloilius pitched his camp on the hill Algidus, the eastern spur of the alban range from whence he laid waste the land of the roman allies here quintus fabius appeared before him at the head of an embassy and demanded satisfaction and compensation but Cloilius laughed at the ambassadors, and mocking them said they should lay their complaints before the oak tree under which his tent was pitched. Then the Romans took the oak and all the gods to witness that the Achaeans had broken the peace, and had begun an unrighteous war, and without delay the consul Minucius led an army against them. But the chances of war were not in his favor. He was defeated and blockaded in his camp at this news terror prevailed in rome as if the enemy were at the very gates for the second consul was far away with his army fighting with the sabines the allies of the icians there was nothing now to be done but to name a dictator and only one man seemed to be fit to fill the post this was lucius quinctius Cincinatus, or cincinnatus a noble patrician who had long served his country in peace and war as senator and consul and was then living quietly at home cultivating his small estate with his own hands now when the messengers of the senate came to cincinnatus to announce to him that he was nominated dictator they found him ploughing and he had taken off his garments for the heat was great therefore he first asked his wife to bring him his toga that he might receive the message of the senate in a becoming manner and when he had heard their errand he went with them into the town accepted the dictatorship and chose for master of the horse Lucius Tarquitius, a noble but poor patrician. Then, having ordered that all the courts of justice should be closed, and all common business suspended till the danger was averted from the country, he summoned all men who could bear arms to meet in the evening on the field of Mars, every man with twelve stakes for ramparts, and provisions for five days. And before the sun went down, the army had started off and reached mount Algidus at midnight now when the dictator saw that they were drawing near to the enemy he bade the men halt and throw their baggage in a heap and he quietly surrounded the camp of the Achaeans, and gave orders to make a ditch round the enemy and drive in the stakes then the romans raised a loud cry so that the Achaeans were overcome by terror and despair but the legions of the consul Minucius recognized the war-cry of their countrymen seized their arms and sallied forth from their camp thus the Achaeans were attacked on both sides and seeing there was no escape surrendered and prayed for mercy cincinnatus granted them their lives and allowed them all to depart home unharmed after passing naked under the yoke except gracchus cloelius and the other commanders these he kept as prisoners of war and he divided the spoil among his victorious soldiers in this manner cincinnatus rescued the blockaded army and returned in triumph to rome and when he had delivered his country from its enemies he laid down his office on the sixteenth day and returned to his fields crowned with glory and honoured by the people but poor and contented in his poverty the story of cincinnatus differs in character from that of Coriolanus and seems to have a genuine historical basis it is not a mere fiction but only a boastful distorted and exaggerated account of what may have really happened and it is in so far a good specimen of the usual performance of the roman annalists it is also worthy of notice that with some variations it is related not less than five times under five different years four sixty six 458, fifty eight four forty three four forty 440 b c It cannot, therefore, contribute much to our knowledge of the wars with the Achaeans. These wars continued to harass Rome and her allies for the whole of the first century of the Republic, and, like the Volscian Wars, contributed to enforce military discipline upon the citizens and to improve their tactics, whilst the constantly impending danger arising from them had no doubt the effect of mitigating the internal conflicts between patricians and plebeians for nearly fifty years the romans and their allies were hard pressed the Achaeans established themselves on the alban hills in the heart of latium whence they pushed their inroads to the very walls of rome but it seems that after the decemvirate the Achaeans, like the volscians relaxed in their national vigour whether owing to the hostility of the samnites in their rear or to other causes they gradually ceased to be dangerous so that the Romans were enabled to turn their attention to the northwest and to begin their career of conquest on the side of Etruria End of section twenty one